Here we go. Are you sure you're ready? All right. For those of you that are new, you got to give it three months. I'm just telling you, if you give it a quarter, a quarter of the year, it'll get better and better and better, and you won't be able to go anywhere else. I'm telling you. Just got to give it time. It's an acquired taste. If you're, if you're not used to like a baseball bat to the lips, it's not, it's not fun at first. But eventually, eventually, you'll learn to like it and you'll be bored by anything else. That's how I am. I have to go to where I'm challenged. I can't go to where I'm not challenged. That's why I, the people that I follow challenge me. They don't always make me feel good. They don't always make me feel bad. It's just the truth. And the truth does what? If you know it, it'll set you free. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the, what I'm going to tell you is not a conference title. It's not sexy. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Yes, we are still there. Week four, week five. I don't know where we're at. I have no idea. I don't script the messages. I have no, lo- I have no idea how long they're going to go. I pray over them and then God gives it to me and I start writing it down or I start recording it actually a lot of times on my phone. This is not a conference title. Now, what I'm gonna talk to you about this morning is knowledge, knowledge. Now, knowledge is truth. Now, truth can be truth about lies. You need to know what's not true, and that, therefore, is true. Knowing what's not true is knowing the truth. Knowing what is true is knowing the truth. That is knowledge. So whenever you hear me use the word knowledge this morning, it is, it is simultaneously meaning truth. Because otherwise, knowledge is not knowledge, it's nothing. It's lies. It's knowing lies. When I say knowledge this morning, I'm talking about knowing the truth. You know, like, how does that coincide with Matthew eleven twelve? And from the days, and the day, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Tom, you're talking about knowledge. We're swords and fire. We did fire last week. What, what, what does knowledge have to do with the kingdom of heaven suffering violence and the violent take it by force? Well, let's look. Now, this is a verse we use all the time. I'm going to use two verses we use all the time around here and then many other verses. But Hosea 4, 6. Does this sound violent to you? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, of course... Now, I want you to see the rest of this verse. Look at all, look at all the words in that thing. The, only, thing, the only, only words or the only part of this verse that is ever used is the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight words of this entire verse. That's all that's ever used. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, which is true, by the way, and you can learn a lot from those eight words, but look at the rest of the verse. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, or I will also reject you, if you're reading NIV or New King James. Thou shalt be no priest to me, because you're rejecting knowledge. And I tell you this all the time. When it comes to you, when knowledge comes to you, when truth comes to you, 
Swallow it. Receive it. Rejoice in it. Even if it burns big chunks of your life to the ground. Because they're dead anyway, and it's better for dead stuff to go ahead and be burnt to the ground. Let it burn. Let it go. I will also reject thee that thou, thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou, thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Now we live under the law of Christ. Everyone, oh, there is no law, there is no law. When you get home this morning, go into Bible Gateway and, and put those two words in, law of Christ. There's always a law. I don't like law. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. There's always a law. We were under the old covenant, the old law. Now we are under the new covenant, the new law. There are spiritual laws that are in place. The example that I always give you is this. People are like, well, if God, if God wanted to, he could have done it. And that's always about somebody dying. Well, if God wanted, and people then shut off the promises of God for the rest of their life because they had a bad experience. Somebody died, they prayed over to be healed. Ever happened to anybody in this room? It's happened to me. And, and not only died, it's just lot, lots of things I prayed over didn't happen, but I go to the word of God and find out why it didn't happen. So they shut it off and they say, well, God could have done it if he wanted to. No, he can't. It's the law of Christ. Our new law is a law of faith through the dispelling of unbelief. If you don't dispel the unbelief, then you're not gonna get the miracles because you're not a conduit. You're buffering. Nothing can flow through you. You have to dispel the unbelief via the word of God through prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. If you do that and you never miss, miracles will run through the conduit that is you. It's irresistible. It's not even trying hard. You don't even have to try, you don't even have to press. You just become a conduit of God. But God can't move without a vessel. That's how it works. I don't like that. I don't care. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. The truth is the truth. Remember, if it's true, swallow it. For those of you that are new, you'll get used to this. Three months. Just do, I mean, you already know God's made you come. He's making you come here. He's forcing you to come. So you gotta, if it's God, you got to keep coming. What's true is true. So this is violent, is it not? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Or they're restored, re, destroyed because they reject it. And let me just throw this out to you. If you're never studying the Bible, you're rejecting the knowledge of God. I didn't say read it, I said studying it. Knowing the Bible, knowing how to apply the Bible, knowing the applicable promise to the life, to whatever life circumstances or circumstances have presented themselves to you. Well, how does the Bible apply to this? If you don't know, you're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And you should be getting built up every day by studying the Word of God. Many of us have hours a day that we could be studying the Word. And when we don't, we're rejecting it. You're like, well, I don't have time. Well, whatever time you have, and if you don't do it, you start scrolling instead because that's more appealing to the carnal nature, then understand that's a form of rejection. 
And then people form all sorts of heresies and, and then follow after those heresies. They're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. One of those heresies is, well, God could have done it. God can't do it without a faith vessel. He could have done it if he wanted to. So now you've formed a heresy. And you're being now destroyed for not knowing that that is a lie. The truth is that that is a lie. You're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look how important knowledge is. Second Peter chapter one, three and four. For those of you that are new, this is the Bible. I know in most churches they don't preach it anymore. They go to sermons.com or it's at the movie, movies or summer playlist, whatever it may be. This is the Bible, this is the word of God. If the word of God offends your Christianity, then understand that your Christianity is heresy. But I got it at a church and the pastor was so soft-spoken and spoke in monotone voices, which I find to be far more, far more appealing than your screeching. Doesn't matter. Lies told in a monotone, soothing voice are lies. It's almost, almost as if uh, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. What are you talking about there, Tom? Well, that's just the Bible once again. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. How important is knowledge? Way more important than everybody in this room, and I'm in this room, thinks that it is. And most of us do not have, and, I'm, and let me say, I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say this to you. All of us in this room, and I'm in this room, do not have as much knowledge as we think we do. Everybody thinks, everybody thinks they know the Bible. Every time I read the Bible, every time I listen to the Bible, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know the Bible at all. I know nothing about the Bible. How important is knowledge? 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So how do we get these all things? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Look at me now. Knowledge is everything. How do we get these things? His divine power is given to us all things that pertain just to a mere life, just merely to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. How do you know about the exceedingly great and precious promises? The knowledge of him. Otherwise you don't know the applicable prom promise to the situation. by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Knowledge is vitally important. So you should feel on the inside of you right now, riveting in your soul, a yearning in your soul, an urgency in your soul right now that says, you know what, I need to get home and get busy. Write down every Bible verse. You can memorize all these Bible verses that I gave you. So what, how do, how now what's, I always like to give you a path. Of course, an easy path, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly, look at me now, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not wrongly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. That comes through knowledge, through study. Tom, this is not gonna sell tickets to a convention. I'm not selling tickets, this is free. This is all free. So how do you get it? The end part of the verse. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you have to escape the world. I'm gonna give you another vast, sweeping, sort of hyperbolic statement. Most of us are far more immersed in the world than we think we are. Matter of fact, I'll say this, and I'm in the room. Everybody in this room is far more immersed in the world than we think we are. Do you realize that is why we don't see what we want to see? We haven't escaped the corruption of the world through lust. We haven't done it. We haven't escaped it. If you don't escape it, that means you're bound in unbelief. Because what's the world bound in? Narrow is the way and few find it. They are bound in unbelief. They can't see anything. That's why everybody's so compliant. I can't stand compliance. Everybody's so ignorantly compliant to everything. Do this, why? Why does nobody ask why? Just do it? CO2's a problem. Tell me how it's a problem. I wanna know how, because I've never had a problem with CO2. I'm 55 years old, I was born in 1968. And I've never had a problem with CO2. I've never got up in the morning and said, you know what, I ate too much CO2, I sucked in too much CO2, my friend died of CO2. So some goober who lives by asinine idiocy tells you that your life needs to be heavily mitigated because of CO2 levels. And everybody believes it. Why? Tell me why. Because I know the stats, because I'm not destroyed for lack of knowledge. So I actually researched to see, what is this CO2 problem? Because I know it makes up right now, on this, is today November 12th? On this November 12th, 2023, 44 months and a half into 15 days to flatten the curve. There's another one everybody complied with. That right now, there's 0.03% of the atmosphere is CO2. And of that 0.03%, mankind has contributed 3%. So how is it a problem? If you're gonna tell me it's a problem, then define the problem. At what level is it unsafe? Because for 55 years, I've never overdosed on CO2. I've never had my life hindered by CO2. I've even had the forest burn, burn down around my house, and that's lots of CO2. It didn't bother me at all. I went walking in, smoke everywhere, took pictures of myself in front of the fire. That wasn't bothering me. So explain to me how it's from. That's people being destroyed for lack of knowledge because they're just using the climate hoax to usher you into totalitarian control so they can shut off your power because that's your only source of fuel. That's the point of it all. It's not, it's not politics. You need to be able to see the echoes of the book of Revelation in the body politic. 
If you don't, again, you're being destroyed for? It's not preaching politics. You will rarely hear me mention a politician's name up here. Rarely ever. I'm not a big fan of really any politician. I'm I'm a fan of what is true. That's it. And I do not comply just because somebody tells me to comply. So they tell you assault weapons are a problem. Then define to me what is, what is an assault weapon. You're, you, you can't even define what a woman is. An adult female human. Katanji Brown Jackson, the Supreme Court Justice, was asked on the Senate floor, define for us what is a woman, and her response was, I can't do that. But she's gonna ban assault weapons. She can't define a woman. They don't know, have you ever ever watched somebody ignorantly try to explain a firearm? It's actually funny. And I'm no firearm expert, I'm just telling you. I mean, I've shot guns my whole life, 25 years in law enforcement, you're gonna shoot some guns. But when they sit there and they talk about things that are fully semi-automatic, It's funny. And those are the people who will try to rule your life. And that the church has been compliant to over the last 44 and a half months of 15 days to flatten the curve. Now here's the thing. You guys think, some of you may think, Tom, get past the COVID thing. I would happen to get past the COVID. I would love to get past it. I like to feel like COVID never happened. I actually enjoy that. I do, on occasion, I walk through my neighborhood. I do a lot of walking. And suddenly I just feel normal again, just for a moment. But then I remember. And then a, then a commercial comes on TV. The commercial comes on TV, now this is brand spanking new, where you can now get your double shot, where you can get your flu shot and your COVID shot all at the same glorious moment. And every single person, now this, this was put out in November of 2023. Every person in the commercial is masked from the bottom of their eyeballs to the bottom of their chin. Why are you masked? Explain to me why you're, because they're just compliant people. They're just, they're operating in asinine idiocy. They're pretending. What are you doing? Well, COVID's just so much more, no, it's not. That's not, the the statistics are exactly the same as the flu and actually way less virulent than the flu for anybody under the age of 20 and exactly the same virulence from 20 to 80. Average age of death of COVID was what? In the United States of America, 79. What's the life expectancy in America? 77. And you're masking? For what? 82% of the people who died of COVID had what problem? They were obese. Those are the facts, the glorious facts. Why are you masking? And people will just comply. To this day, to this day, you look at as much video as as I watch, as I look at when I'm preparing the podcast, you'll find all these videos 
44 and a half months into 15 days to flatten the curve with a bunch of people still masked. For what? They're just compliant. They're compliant. Either their own carnal nature or somebody else's carnal nature. So you have to escape that corruption, that compliant corruption inside. Well, I'm not talking about not obeying the cops unless they're telling you to do unconstitutional things and tell them to shove it sideways up their own caboose. <laughs> caboose Cafe's in the back here <laughs> after church. That's what it was named after, by the way. That's true. That's what it was named the Caboose Cafe is shoving stuff up your caboose. It's true. I ain't gonna lie. That's what it was. It was named after that. I'm not telling you not to obey the cops. I'm telling you not to comply with idiocy. The blue lights come on behind you and you know you're speeding. The idiot's you. Pull over and take your ticket. And I'm the worst speeder on the planet. I don't ever go, oh, I don't know. Do you know why I pulled you over? Yeah, I know. I was going 78 and a 55. That's why. I don't go, I don't know, officer. There's a lie. I don't know, officer. I don't know why you pulled me over. I know why you pulled me over. I was driving down the road the other night. Hope was talking. We were on speakerphone in the car talking to Norma. I looked down. I was going 100 miles an hour. I didn't even realize it. I'm going 100 miles an hour. Just bombing down 75. I didn't realize it. 100 miles an hour. I looked over to Hope. I said, you realize I was just going 100 miles an hour? I didn't even realize it. I'm a horrendous speeder. But if I got pulled over, I'd go, yeah, I was going 100 miles an hour. It's not nearly as fast as I have driven. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to escape. You have to recognize what is the world system and get the heck out of Dodge, man. Leave it. Otherwise, you won't experience the divine nature of God unless you escape the corruption that is in the world. Here's the other verse we use all the time, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform. Pulling over for cops is not conforming. That's what you're supposed to do. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's the only way you're going to get the promises of God. If you are waiting for a miracle and all you do every day is look at social media, you're not dispelling unbelief. You're conforming to the pattern of this world and not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. After your mind is and being transformed by the renewing of your mind is gaining knowledge, accumulating knowledge, accumulating truth. And listen, I want to tell you this because Christians, well, all people, but I'm going to address Christians, always go on divergent paths all the time. You talk about truth, and the next thing you know, they come up to you, hey, Pastor Tom, just want you to know, I really listened to what you had to say, and I've been looking into this greater truth, and here's the thing, you know what, I, I found out the molecular structure of manna. Why are you studying that? Nobody get. I found out that there is 18 different types of sand in the desert, and here is the symbolic meaning of the 18 types of sand. Nobody gets saved around you, and you're worried about sand? 
There was actually, Tom, 27 different forms of cacti in the desert where the Jews crossed. So? Nobody gets saved around you. Nobody gets healed around you. You don't bring anybody to church. You don't tithe, and you're worried about sand and cactuses and the molecular structure of manna? I see Christians love to get into various arguments about ambiguous things in Scripture. Some things, by the way, like the day and the hour, Matthew 24, 36, nobody knows anything about. That's what it says. No one knows about the day or hour. And Christians will argue about it. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's getting healed. Nobody's being brought to church. Promises of God are not being enacted. But you're going to have an argument about the day that the Lord returns when nobody knows the day. Or the various other things found in Scripture that, that are somewhat ambiguous. Or some things are just assumptions that Christians have made throughout the years, like Paul's thorn of the flesh. If, if nobody's getting saved around you, don't worry about the ambiguous things. Operate in the promise of God, because actually, getting into arguments about ambiguous things that can never be proven, you can't prove it. You, if you come to me and you're wanting to take a theological stand inside a foundation church, I'll tell you what. What do you think I'm going to ask you? Give me your Bible verses. I want to teach a Bible study about this. Give me your Bible verses. Well, I can't, but here's the bridge that I've... No, I don't want your bridges. I don't want your leaps. I want your Bible verses. If you can't prove it, you shouldn't be fervent about it. You can believe it. I believe different things I can't prove. And you know what I say when I'm talking to people? I can't prove this. Are you that broken that you'll say that? Or do you just take hardcore stance out of pride? That's the pattern of the world. That's how the, that's how the world is. Where you have a certain garden gnome scientist, epidemiologist, who goes up and says this, this was a, this was a uh, naturally occurring virus over and over and over again. You have government officials you know how many people cross the border illegally every month in the United States of America? Do you know? It's world record every month. It's two to 300,000 a month. When, when Trump left office, it was 8,000 8, a month. Now it's 10,000 a day. That's an absolute fact, by the way. And you'll hear Javier Mayorkas come up and testify at congressional hearings that the border's closed. Just, just over and over and over again, repeating Goebbels' propaganda. That's the pattern of the world. Don't, don't do that. Don't be like that. Whatever you are fervent about needs to be founded in Scripture. Like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, you can say Jesus is the only way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12, John 14.6. Now you can be hard freaking core. Jesus is the only way. But not a bunch, not a, not, don't be so fervent about a bunch of symbolic, ambiguous things you can't prove. Because you will do that instead of winning souls. You will do that instead of raising the dead. You will do that instead of filling this church. Because it's just like, it's just like scrolling through Facebook. It's just tantalized into the carnal nature to argue. 
And listen, I know from whence I speak. I like to fight. There's a reason why my son's a cage fighter. It just flows through our veins. I enjoy, to a degree, confrontation. I enjoy conflict. It motivates me. That's carnal, though. I have, to, I, I have, and I may have to in the future, continue to repent of that. As I do. I, I, like, a little, I like a little contention. I like it. You're like, those of you in this church that know me, you're like, I'm never in contention with that. It's because I've repented of it. I hear different things, just little stupid stuff that happens inside the church, and hope hides it from me. <laughs> Somehow it bubbles to the surface. Well, I was going to tell you about that six months ago, but I just didn't think you needed to hear it. Because <laughs> she's afraid I'm going to talk about it from up here. And she'll say, please don't, don't discuss this from the pulpit. And reiterates it, and then I do it anyway. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not really because I'm de uh, defying her request. It's because I forget. <laughs> I like to win. But you see, all of, all of that is carnal. It's the pattern of the world. Conflict. Enjoying it. It's not, it's not scripture. It's right out, it's out, it's out of Romans chapter 12, 18 and 19. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And I want, I want to go, Lord, couldn't you put the word you there instead of I? You will repay, so I want to repay. I like vengeance. I don't take it. Because it's the pattern of the world. But I do want it. I would like to do it, but I don't. And I'm crucifying that carnal nature. I don't like to hear that the pastor's not perfect. Listen, you're at the wrong church then. I'm gonna tell you about different imperfections. I'm not gonna act like I'm perfect, I'm not. I am a Romans 7, 15 through 20, what I call the I do's Christian, just like Paul. The things I hate, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. I wish it wasn't the case, but if Paul was that way, the greatest soul winner, the greatest church builder in the history of mankind, then I need to be able to acknowledge I'm the same way. The things I hate, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. Anybody else but me in here? Unbelief is a form of lack of knowledge. Unbelief is lack of knowledge. Let me explain this to you. You're like, how does that work? It works this way. It's knowing a person versus knowing who a person is. You can identify a person. I can identify many people in this room, but I don't know them. You're like, that's not very nice. I don't know you. How do I, would I know you? You're like, Tom, I've, known, yeah, I've been coming to this church for years. Okay, I love you, but I don't know you. You don't know anybody unless you live with them. <laughs> Flat out. That's how you really know someone. You gotta live with them. That's why I always tell people, once you walk that line and you're married, you're home. <laughs> There's no going home. You are home. It's real easy when you're a dating. 
is when things didn't go right, you went home. <laughs> well, you know what? Now you live where they're not right. <laughs> you are home. <laughs> so there's a big difference between knowing who somebody is, and I can name them by name. I've known people in this room, I'm trying to think, for over 40 years. I know who they are. I don't know them. Their husband knows them. Their wife knows them. I don't know them. I know who they are. That's how unbelief or lack of knowledge is unbelief. You may know Jesus. You may be able to identify Jesus, but you don't really know him. Because in order to know him, you have to be immersed in him. Live with him. In him we live and move and have our being. That is not most of Christians. I'm talking about heaven-bound Christians. Most heaven-bound Christians can identify Jesus in a crowd. There he is. They'd even know him if he came in the room because they have the Holy Ghost in the inside of them and they'll identify there's the spirit of Jesus. There he is. I can identify that anointing. But they don't know him. They really don't know him. And again, in a moment of transparency, which is my entire life, I don't know him like I should either. I wouldn't behave the way that I behave if I knew him the way that I should. And again, my wife always wants me to give you texture on this stuff. Understand that if you are a loud, screaming, belittling person, that's not me, that's you. When I say I don't behave the way that I should, my when I don't behave the way that I should, it's just pure retraction. I just get quiet and get alone. That's it. I'm not, I'm not you that's belittling everybody in the house. Mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in this house. Yeah, because you, you, you inflict your moods upon everybody. Same thing with you, dad, if it's you. Who's ever the jerk, there's always a jerk in the house. My giant head just pulls these things apart like vice grips, the whole. There's always somebody. Man, he always gets quiet when I talk like this. I'm the jerk in my house. Only problems we ever really have outside of Tommy's incredible slobbishness. I mean, galactic forms of being a slob, my son. You're like, how can that be, man? He's built like an underwear model. He's prim and prosper, uh, proper. He looks, yeah, that's the only area. His body, the rest of it, nah. I'm, I, I find his underwear everywhere. I'm like, how does your underwear get in the shed? Can you explain to me how your underwear is in the shed? How are your dirty, wet socks in my car? His underwear is in my shed because he took it and jammed it, a nasty, sweaty pair of underwear, in his gym bag with all of his MMA gear and threw it in the shed. I'm like. <laughs> but unbelief is a lack of knowledge. You don't know what to believe, so it's unbelief. It's knowing, it's identifying a person without knowing a person. Let me show you this. 
Mark 4, 37 through 41. These are the five verses that I read right after the storm. So the storm was September 28th, so it was 29th Thursday, uh, 30th Friday, 1st, so it's October 2nd of 2022 that I read these to you. And like, how dare you do this? Because that's still us. Should, that, should we have ever allowed the hurricane? Oh, Tom, you know what? There's no, you, you know, we don't have control over those things. You know, the, the, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. You're out of context. You're out of it. You're in the wrong you're in the wrong law. We're in the law of Christ, not the law of the Old Testament. You're in the wrong covenant, everything. We steer storms. I'm waiting for a better response than that crap all up. We steer storms. You know why people don't amen that? Because they know who Jesus is, but they don't know him. Just like this, look. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now we all are doing what? Ah, storm! The boat's filling with water, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. There was, this was not a cabin cruiser. There was no under the deck. Is stern the rear or the front? Is he's in the rear of the boat? as it's filling full of water, asleep. He's not worried about storms. I bring this up to you, and I brought this up probably a dozen times over the last 20 years. You need to find a video, although um, as much as I hate to promote YouTube, but on YouTube of killer whales playing in Arctic storms. You need to go and pull up those videos. Hey, babe, your foot moving back and forth drive me nuts. Thank you. I can see you. I nearly said something last week, but you stopped. So now you're not stopping. So there you go. <laughs> the way it is. I mean, you don't like it. I don't know what to tell you. Just don't be moving your foot in the front row. Move them all everywhere else. I can't see your feet. <laughs> but you need to find that video of killer whales playing in Arctic storms. I'm talking about Arctic tsunamis, Arctic hurricanes, 150 mile an hour wind, 100 foot waves, loving it. There's no threat to them. They play in it. It's a great time for them. No threat at all for them. That's us. There's no threat to you outside of martyrdom. That's it. There's no threat. None. Tom, I'm already sick. It's not a threat to you. You better start believing it. Speaking it, saying it, I'm perfect. I'll always be perfect. I'm perfect today, I'll be perfect tomorrow, I'll be perfect till I'm 120 years old. That's what you do. You see how that's the full gospel here? Yes, there's hellfire and brimstone, but there's the promises of God. God wants you well, God wants you wealthy, God wants you to live a long life. God wants you to have a great and abundant life. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They knew how to identify Jesus, but they didn't know him. And the, were these people not saved? Because this is the 12 apostles. They were saved. They died in the storm. Everybody's going to heaven with pillars in heaven named after them. 
but they still didn't know him. And you and I think we do. You see, why do I say that? Do I say that to make you feel bad? Or do I say that to stir something on the inside of you? That's why I'm telling you that. They didn't know him. You're like, Tom, how did they not know him? I'm going to show you. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What a great statement of faith. Teacher, do you not care that we're dying? We're right here. We're sitting in the midst of Jesus, the son of the living God, who they've already seen perform miracles. Do you not care that we're, that we're dying? Then he arose. He didn't even respond to them. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He didn't say, well, you know, I'm an art church pastor, and I really just want you to know how much I really do care. Let's all gather around in the midst of the storm. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Put your masks on. I'm no longer a slave to fear. No, that's not what he did. He didn't even, he didn't even respond to them verbally. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Tom, I am not going to be that ridiculous. Okay, then you won't get any miracles. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You ever notice this in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not what, who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution? or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who? So you speak to the who. He spoke to the wind. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, spoke to the sea, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. They didn't know him though. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So if I'm mean, wasn't Jesus meaner? Then why are you offended by me? I should be Jesus light. Diet Jesus. Because if you're offended by me, understand that your version of Jesus is erroneous and borderline heresy. He wasn't nice by today's terms. He was nice by what is truly nice. Tell people the truth the way they need to hear it. Anybody in here ever coach athletes? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, there you go. Don't be, I'm not going to do anything to you, I promise. I'm, I'm actually a nice person. I really, I'm not going to do anything to you. There are different ways to coach different kids. If you ever coach, I coached I, uh, high school football for years. There are different ways to coach different kids. There are kids that are motivated by you getting in their face, and there's kids that will crumble to the ground. I've told you this many times. In dealing with um, a male dog, Male dogs are way different than female dogs. Way different. You have to negotiate a relationship with them. How? If you're overly intimidating, they're a pack animal, they'll run from you. Not the female dog, the female dog's yours. She's yours. My female dog, 200 yards away. Neela sits, bam. My male dog, It's a negotiation. If you're overly intimidating, if I was overly intimidating to my female Malmo, she'd come right to me. She'll just take the abuse. My male dog, he runs. <laughs> I'm out of here. And I, by the way, I run 40 miles an hour, so good luck catching me, fatso. 
you have to negotiate with a male dog because it's a pack mentality. And it's the same thing with human beings. People receive different, different things differently. You have Travis here, I coach Travis in football. You're like, that's how far you go back? Yeah, I've known Travis since he was what, 13 or 14? Something like that. Yeah, they're just about as long. I take full credit for all their successes in life. <laughs> Even though I had nothing to do with it, I still take full credit. Everything. I take full credit for everything, all the time. But Travis, you could treat Travis like a dog. He used to, Travis threw up every football practice. We used to all gather around and find out what he ate for lunch. That's men, by the way. Men are different than women. We would all gather around. What did Travis eat for lunch? You could, you could coach Travis like a dog. Nothing, no, no problem at all. It built him up. The worse you told him he was, you're worthless. How could you, be, how could you play so bad? He would get more fired up and play better. So you knew how to poke him, you know. Kicking against the goats. Bink. There you go. Other, other people you can't do that with. You have to know them. That's the difference between I, I can identify Travis, but I actually know him. It's different. But they didn't know Jesus. Look at what they said. This is after he quelled the storm. Storm go bye-bye. Storm gone. And he, and he chasing them and said, how... How, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Here's the answer, the next verse. Mark 4, 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? Uh, those are his 12 disciples. <laughs> they still didn't know him. And, and you do, and I do. And by the way, how do you know people? You live with them. Uh, they were, for all intents and purposes, living together. And they still didn't know him. They didn't know who he was. They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They didn't know him. They were all going to heaven if they died in that storm. They still didn't know him. They knew him enough as Lord and Savior, but they didn't know him. And that's why you don't see the miraculous the way you want to. What are you gonna do about it? There's no easy way. There's no sexy path. You're not gonna get an impartation. I believe in impartation, but I'm just telling you, you will not get an impartation that dispels enough unbelief for you to see the miraculous. You're gonna have to pray. You're gonna have to study. You're gonna have to shut the devices off and let your mind be crucified and brought into the conformity to the word of God. There's no other way. You've been trying. How many of you, don't raise your hands. How many of you have been trying your way for all these years and you keep hoping and praying? That doesn't work. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. Not missing. I was sitting talking to Rodney Howard Brown this week on Friday night. I went up to Ann Kett's service on Friday night and I went in the back and spent an hour or so or more, whatever, with Pastor Rodney. That's, that's just iron sharpening iron. That's easy, because he's my friend, but it's still iron sharpening iron. This is easy right now. It's 11.52. I'm gonna stop preaching at 12.10 in 18 minutes. Stop, and then we're gonna pray. Man, food smells good coming out of that kitchen. <laughs> Whew. I, don't know why most, I don't know why a lot of you don't eat here. Why do you not eat it? It's free. You, how many of you want a ministry? You can raise your hands if you want, if your gut's gutsy enough. 
Okay, you're going to need to spend time with Christian people if you want to minister. Just throwing that out there to you. As a, as a devout, solitary person, kind of a loner, you have to spend time with people if you want to ministry. You can pray all you want. Ain't gonna happen. You need to get back there and start eating whatever they're serving back there and see if you can develop some relationships. Man, it got quiet. All I got was one amen from Pete. Thank you, dear. I'm just telling you. I had a friend of mine in the early stages of Foundation Church, long gone via offense from me. Um, that she called herself a prophet, and I believe she was. She would write letters, prophetic letters, like, I don't know what you call them, prophetic messages on, on paper, but, and give them to you or whatever. But they, in all the years that they were at this church and they were leaders in this church, they never invited one family to their house. Not one. Not one family to their house, nothing. And how are you gonna prophesy to people without people? I just wonder, I mean, I, I, for me, once again, and I don't mean to beat this dead horse, but I just wonder how people aren't fruit inspectors. If there is no evidence of you being correct, then how are you correct? Well, I just think that I am. That means you're wrong. You're actually, you're actually deceived. If you think that you're right and there is no evidence that you're right. And again, I just use this example, and please understand this. This is not out of self-glorification. This is not out of conceit. Most of the time, if you were to take a room full of people and ask, who is the least likely to succeed in the area of people? <laughs> Quiet, Aaron. <laughs> I would get that award. He's mean, he's forthright, he tells people to shove things up their cabooses. I would be least likely to succeed. That's how, that's how I would be, that's, that's how I would be voted. But there's evidence that I'm correct. Do you see it? I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I've arrived. I'm not saying that I don't get things wrong. I'm not saying that I don't struggle with sin and compromise. I'm just telling you that there's evidence that I'm correct. Even when the church was 150 people, even when the church was 200 people, in, the, in this room right now, there's almost 900 chairs in here, there's probably 700 people in this room, 900 people in this building right now. But even when we were 200 people, 200 people came to hear this. <laughs> Nobody comes to hear you. I'm saying that right now, I'm looking at the camera. And by the way, love all of you that are watching right now. Probably, I don't know how many people are on there. Do you know roughly? 300 plus? So 300 plus people watching right now, live. That's part of our church. So that puts us at somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,200 in attendance right now. But there's people that are watching right now, and I want you to know that I love you. But all you're going to get from me are the paddles. Where are, my, where are my, like, paramedics and cops in here? Raise your hands. There's my paramedic buddy. There they are. There they are. There they are. Okay, all you get from me, there are. All you get from me are the paddles. Flump! I don't offer anything else. I'm not gonna sit here and stroke your hair. That's somebody else's job, it's just not mine. 
But I'm giving you this because I know why you're watching. You're watching because you're so offended that you won't attend the church anymore. So you watch instead because you're, you've red-pilled yourself and all other churches are nauseating to you. So you're red-pilled. You're Narcan, man. But you're watching because you're living in offense. But there's no evidence of you being right. Paddles. That's what I'm doing to you, right? There's none. What's the evidence? Well, I feel good about myself. That's not evidence. That's gas. That's a burp. That's a fart. It's nothing. There's no evidence of you being correct. You're like, well, Tom, you're a jerk. But there's evidence that my jerkiness is correct. Otherwise, otherwise I'd resign because I'm not changing. I'm certainly not going to change. I change as the Lord tells me to change. I, I apologize as the Lord tells me to apologize. But they didn't even know who the guy was in the boat. They didn't even know him. After after he quieted the storm and made the storm disappear. Back to Hosea 4, 6 for just a minute. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Instead of proclaiming, let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? That's Romans 3, 4. What does that mean? Let God be true and every man a liar. Did your past experiences happen? I know you're afraid to answer. I don't blame you. Did your past, I'm gonna give you the answer. The answer is yes, so now you can answer freely. Ready? Did your past experiences happen? But they're lies in comparison to God. They're lies in comparison to the word of God. Yes, aunt so-and-so, or even dad. My dad died of lung cancer, and I prayed over my dad, hoping I laid hands on my dad, and all the cancer was gone. And he went and sat under other people, not ministers, worldly people, relatives of mine, who talked him back into being sick. Once a cancer patient, always a cancer patient. You have the same, because you're created in God's image, you have his creative abilities. So if you speak it by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33, 6. And you're gonna speak it right back into your life. It's exactly what happened. Clean pet scan, back to stage four. Because he walked away from me. And I'm not any more than you are. I'm not a respecter of persons, but you know what I had? Holstered Bible, holstered word of God. A disciple of Andrew Walmack, a disciple of Kenneth Hagin, a disciple now of Rodney Howard Brown and Jonathan Shuttlesworth, a disciple of Jesse Duplantis, people like that who live in faith. You're like, Tom, I wish you were as nice as Jesse Duplantis. I can't be. That's his ministry. (laughs) I break off cans of whoop. I wish I could still cuss, but I can't. That's the one, that's the word I miss more than any other word that I repented of many years ago. Especially when I, I love to use that word with dumb in front of it. Over and over and over again. I'd have it all over my car. If you voted this way, you're a dumb bleep. 
If you are wearing, currently wearing a mask, you're a dumb. If, you are, if you've ever stood six feet apart, you're a dumb bleep. There'd be 40 of them on the back of the tailgate of my truck. Matter of fact, I'd have it in neon. I'd have Aaron, I'd have Aaron work a whole system for me inside of my vehicle. Wherever I pass somebody, I could flash him a message. And I drive by that person, 44 months into 15 days to flatten the curve, who still has a mask on, alone in their car, I'd drive by and say, you are a dumb bleep. Paddles, that's all I offer. But paramedics, paddles are good. Without paddles, people dead, right? I've never used paddles. I'm not qualified to use paddles. He's qualified to use paddles. Well, they're an awfully good thing, but I'm assuming they're not overly comfortable for the patient. So if you need the paddles, accept the paddles. Don't run from the paddles. Don't go to some church without the paddles. Outside of me, you'll be loved more than you've ever been loved in your life. And I only say it because I'm love you more than that too, but people don't think that way because I yell and scream at you. But you'll be loved more in this church than any of those soft-pedaling churches you've ever gone to and supported in this church more than you would in any of those other churches. So let God be true and every man a liar says, you know what, I am not gonna base my belief system based on my past experiences. I'm not gonna do it. Yes, people died when I prayed over them. But that's, that's a lie in comparison to the promises of God that are brought to you, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, through knowledge. Your past experiences are lies in comparison to the promises of God. Your thoughts, even facts, like this disease can kill you. No, it can't. Let God be true and every man a liar. That includes the doctors, that includes the lawyers, that includes the oncologists, that includes everything. Let God be true and every man a liar. That includes the accountants, the politicians, and everybody else. That's how you stand. Instead of gaining knowledge, I'll finish with this. Seven minutes to go, everybody good? I'll finish with this. This part's a little harsh, so be ready. The rest of the message has been very light light and easy. Now this, (laughs) this will be hard. Instead of gaining knowledge, this is what, a lot of, what most people do is conform to the pattern of the world. Now, what do I mean by conforming to the pattern of this world? The pattern of the world is Jesus in moderation. I like Jesus, just in moderation. You're gonna moderate a consuming fire? The Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. You're going to moderate him? Or you take him as he wants to be taken? He's a consuming fire. He is Lord. You don't don't take him as Savior and not as Lord. There's no Jesus in moderation. That's That's the pattern of this world. Bless you. Even though that wasn't a sneeze. That was sounding the trumpets in Zion. I don't even know who you are, so don't be offended. I don't even know. 
I have no idea who did it. It's like a shofar in here. And let's put this out here. For those of you that like to bring your requests about shofars, the answer is no. Would it be possible for me to come in and blow a shofar? No, it's not. Not possible. Zero. But instead, instead, instead of actually gaining knowledge, which is gaining faith, which is dispelling unbelief, because they're one and the same, gaining truth, gaining knowledge, they choose instead to conform to the pattern of the world. Jesus in moderation, he doesn't really do miracles. You know, Jesus in moderation, Tommy, come on. You're gonna steer Hurricane Ian? Rodney Howard Brown did. We, we steered the one before. I can't remember the name of it, the one that hit the, in 17. Was it Ian? No, Ian was the one that just hit. Irma, I knew it was an I. That's what Heather was thinking too. Irma, remember that one? The inexplicable, on the Weather Channel, we have absolutely no idea how this happened. They're on the weather, and this thing takes, it hooks away. It just takes a, takes a right-hand turn. Inexplicable, because all of the Christians were praying. And I paid way more attention to that storm than I did Ian. And I still prayed over Ian. I lost. What's the truth about the situation? Tom Lipley had unbelief. See how quiet it gets in here? Because nobody wants to hear it. They actually consider what I just said to be heresy because you want Jesus in moderation. No, Jesus said, whenever there was an expectation of the miraculous and the miraculous didn't occur, what, what did he say was the problem? What was the diagnosis? because of your unbelief. There's no soft pedaling. There's no easier answer. That was the answer. So if that's the truth, then that's the truth. So Aunt Susie died of stage four cancer because of unbelief. Correct. What about somebody who dies and I never had the chance to pray? Why did they die, a believer? They're in heaven now. See, I mean, I'm nice. Why did they, why did they die? is they didn't bind and they didn't lose. You gotta bind death off of you. Or you're gonna depend on being lucky. You gotta bind sickness off of you. Yeah, you have not because you, there you go. You gotta bind and lose. You have responsibilities. This is a covenant. This isn't a one-sided agreement. It's a covenant. You have a job. If you don't ask, you don't receive. And you have to ask with the right motives. You have to ask the right way. The ask the right way is to expect it to happen. Whatever I ask for, I expect it. I'm willing to risk being disappointed. I expected not to be hit by Hurricane Ian. I mean, my house is still not fixed. It's, uh, you know, 13, 13, 14 months into 15 days of Hurricane Ian. <laughs> 14 months into 12 hours of Hurricane Ian. It's still, listen, I wish I would have taken it more seriously. I should have convened the church like, like Pastor Rodney did. And they went out and they prayed for hours, steer that thing away from Tampa. Yeah, they started away from Tampa, all right. It's the first thing. Pastor Rodney flies in on a helicopter down here, lands on our field, 
brings 100 workers with him. And the first thing my wife says to him is, thanks for steering, steering the storm to us. I'm always like, shh. He loves her. I'm always like, shh, quiet, quiet. Because I like reverence him. She doesn't reverence him at all. I mean, she does reverence him as a person and as a pastor and stuff. But Hope is like, definitely not a respecter of persons. She's like everybody. She called him Elton one time. He put on, he has new glasses. And we walk up. Is it Elton or Elvis? Elton, El, Elton John. She walks up because he had like this new kind of glasses on. And walking to the parking lot, I'm always like, hey, Pastor Rodney, good to see you. You know, I hug him and stuff. And every, he thinks like I'm kind of quiet. Because <laughs> he thinks I'm very serious. And so, because I'm never myself around him, I just sit there, you know, but hopes herself around everybody. So she's like, hey there, Elton. I'm like, it's Rodney Howard Brown right there. That's. Like, shh. Come on, come on, come on. This is what I'm going to close with is 1 Corinthians 5, 6. I didn't give that one to you guys in the back. I threw it in at the last minute. Your glorying is not good. Tom, I don't glorify myself. You do if you don't have knowledge. You've chosen other knowledge. You're glorifying yourself. So am I. If you're choosing other pathways and other answers to life, other remedies to life outside of the word of God, you're glorying in yourself, but you're above God. Listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm doing it too. But when they get revealed to you, will you let it go? I'm doing it too. I tell, right now, I'm telling you, there's areas of ignorance in my life because ignorance is not knowing any better. And sadly... There's areas of stupidity in my life because that's knowing better and doing it anyway. Insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Insanity is stupidity. There's areas like that. Your glorying is not good. So you're, you're allowing different influences other than the Bible to come in because you are Lord or I am Lord. Does that make you feel better? See the facial expressions right now. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you let a little bit in, if you're, if you're a wife who chooses not to be a godly wife, but in every other area of your life, you're sound. And you're heaven bound. Your husband's scared of you though. You let leaven in. And it's leavening the whole lump. You could lose your kids over it. You let, your, let in a little leaven, will leaven the whole lump. Depends on what the day. Listen, there are things that I call death nails, and there's things that aren't, but they're, they're all not good. Like you, you just, the various people that you meet, you're like, okay, well, they're, you know, they've got some flaws or whatever, but I can live with them. And then there's certain flaws you can't live with. Like, I can't live with anybody who's cheap. You aren't going to be my friend. Not a close friend. If you're a cheapo, I can't stand cheap. I honestly can't. I can't. I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. Like trying to save two bucks here and two bucks there. I'm like, oh my gosh. Why don't you believe God for prosperity? And it's not just that because I hated cheapness before I got saved. I know you label yourself something. Listen, doesn't mean I don't love you. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go to church anymore now because I'm, I'm cheap. And oh, wait, I'm not cheap. I'm, I'm, I'm frugal. I'm economically minded, whatever. It's like a trash man calling himself a sanitation engineer. But you're, listen. If you want to be cheap, then be cheap. I just said, I didn't say I wouldn't pastor you. I said, I can't be your good buddy. I can't. I can't bear it. I couldn't be a good, I couldn't be a good buddy for anybody who pulled the lever for Nancy Pelosi. I can't be your buddy. I can love you, and I do love you. But if you pull the lever for that, how are we going to be close? So there's certain things that are death nails in, in relationships with people. So different leaven has different consequences. But it's leavening entire lumps of your life, whatever it may be. If you're not nice to your wife, you be prepared for your kids not to be saved. Just be ready, because why would they want what you have? If you're a condescending, ignorant jerk to your wife, all the time. I mean, think about it. That little bit of leaven, you got all, you're not cheating on her. You provide for the home. Uh, maybe you go, on, you go on vacations, but you're just, you ever been around those married couples? The ones you barely, you, again, I can't be close to you. If you're gonna sit there and snipe at each other while we're out back, I'm the pastor of your church. Just shut up. Would you just shut up? Okay, I'm not. I've had to tell couples before, driving down the road with them in their car, can you guys please not fight with me around? Don't fight with me here. A little leaven leavens all up. Here's what I'm gonna finish with. Worship team, you guys can make your way. Four minutes behind schedule. That's not too bad for me. But I want to tell you this. If you watch the podcast, you've already heard it. But I just want to see, I want you to see the living embodiment of this truth. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So people conform to the pattern of this world. And that conformity, that conformity leavens their entire life. You ever notice that everybody who's, it's all one giant agenda with many different tactics? The agenda is Revelation 13, 16, 17, 18. Revelation 4, 14, 9 through 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. That's what the whole agenda is about with different tactics. You ever notice how everybody who's pro Hamas loves masks? You ever notice because you little leaven will take you the whole way. You'll buy into the whole thing. If people who love trans, the, the transgender narrative, transgender agenda, they're all the gun grabbers, same people. The little leaven leavens all up. Everybody who loves the climate hoax loves lockdowns. Everybody who loves vaccinations loves abortion. Little leaven. That's how, all, that's how the church ended up wearing their masks. Wearing their mark. Not the permanent mark. Wearing their mark. Because a little leaven got in. They were never binding and loosing. They know, they know who Jesus is, but they don't know him. So they end up wearing the mark of the world. 
Little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. You know what you do with that leaven then? Get it out. You already know what it is. You already know what it is. Get it out. Get it out. Amen? Praise you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Very important time. Make sure, Christians, that you're praying. I'm going to do this quick. Do you need Jesus today as your Lord and as your Savior? How do you know, Tom, whether you need him or not? Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot go to heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of God. How do I be born again? That means forgiven of your sins. If you are a Christian and you're living a lifestyle of sin, not struggling, not vacillating, a lifestyle, a concession to sin, you've backslidden into a hell-bound state. It's first, it's first Timothy chapter four, verse one. Hebrews chapter 10, 26 and 27. 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Backs up exactly what I'm saying. You backslidden. I don't care what the Calvinists say. I care what the word of God says. Let God be true. And every man a liar, including preachers and pastors. If you're living in a lifestyle of sin, Christian, it's a hell-bound state. I don't care what people tell you. I'm not talking about that you don't pray. I'm not talking about that you're smoking and cussing. Those are dumb things, but they're not sin. They're stupid. Unless you're using the Lord's name in vain. That's sin. They're stupid and shun profane and vain, vain babblings, for they will increase under more ungodliness. Listen, you need to understand what I mean by sin. I mean that you're lying, that you're lusting, fornicating, adultery, whatever it may be. Talking about a lifestyle of sin. If that's you, you need to get it right this morning. Don't worry, this is private. This is between me, you, and God. Maybe you've never been saved. Now is your time. Saved just means to take all of your sins and lump them on to the shoulders of Jesus, the propitiation for your sin. That's all that it means. You don't ever have to attend this church again, although you should. So if you need to get your life right, you need to have your sins forgiven. Now is your time, right at this moment. On this 12th day of November, 2023, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. This is your opportunity. If that's you and you know that you need to get your life right with God, I'm gonna ask you to do two things and you will never have to get out of your seat. And nobody's gonna know but me, I'm your accountability. And don't worry, well, Tom's gonna now know that I'm a sinner. You're looking at a sinner saved by grace talking to you right now. Don't worry about what I think. I can't be disgusted by your sin. It'd be awfully hypocritical of me. If that's you and you know that you need to get your life right with God, I want you to boldly right now lift your hand into the air. Come on, lift your hand into the air, boldly. Boldly, come on. There you go, come on, put them up. Those of you that didn't, but you know that you should have, do it now, there you go. Do it now, do it now, come on. Do it now, nobody's looking but me. Lots of hands, you can put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, don't worry, I'm not gonna bring you forward, I'm not taking you to a back room. All I'm gonna have you do is pray a prayer with every other person in this room. You pray, pray that prayer, you mean it, and you are saved. 
you are saved. Your sins have been attributed to Jesus and no longer to you. And you are on your way to heaven. Dig in deep into the things of God and never miss church. Pray this prayer out loud and you are saved. Everybody in this room, encourage them by praying it with them. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' mighty name, church shouts. That's good stuff right there, amen?